What up, guys and girls? It is Bobby. And Sean. We're back. Uh, sorry for the quite lengthy break. Um, you know, we've both been very busy with school and work and, you know, life. So, unfortunately, I haven't been able to put as much time and effort into the podcast because uh, we're just busy. As always, this episode's podcast is brought to you guys by Paragon Recovery. Use the code CRONUS for 15% off, and if you're military or first responder, hit them up directly for an additional discount. Hell yes, we are back. It feels it feels good to be podcasting again because I just feel since we, we didn't release a podcast the last couple of weeks, the world has gotten worse, and That's everyone crazy. is worse off for not hearing our opinions on things, so... We're back. We'll make everything right. I guarantee you in the next three to four weeks, there's probably another big event coming, but everything's going to be fine because you're listening to us in your cars, in the gym. Although if you're in the gym listening to us, put music on. Mm. We're not good enough for that. Uh, yeah. Or you're sitting there you know, next to your significant other and they're just blabbing on and on and on and you want to listen to something else other than their voice. So that's why you tune them out with the sultry sounds of Sean and Bobby. Absolutely. Uh, what's been going on with you, Sean? It's been a couple of weeks. Yeah, just getting into the weeds with school. Um, just really busy. Again, I think 2L is probably the most difficult year at law school because you'll have the opportunity to be on a journal, uh, which I participate in. Uh, you've got interviews throughout the fall and the winter for jobs. The classes are a little bit more difficult depending on what you've signed up for. And you're really just trying to become like the best lawyer possible. So it's probably like I've gotten better every semester. And this semester in particular, I'm doing much more external reading to class assignments to try to like bolster my understanding of the subject and really trying to utilize what my professors have written in the past, what they recommend other professors have written, uh, just so that I'm not confined to like one single text. So my brain hurts about five nights out of the week, and that's, uh, you know, that's a pain. That's a burden I bear that I'm, you know, it's my cross to carry, I think, you know. How about you? Yeah, I totally empathize with that about reading. Um, you know, I took uh, a set of boards a couple weeks ago, I believe. I took my step three. Past that, I got the, like, I didn't really study that much for it because I was working. Uh, but I think I, I got, like, Right in the national average in the 50th percentile. Oh, so you passed. You got your, your oh, yeah, results yeah, yeah. back. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. My congratulations, man. That's awesome. It was, pretty, it was It's nice because that was the last big thing I had to do. And then, of course, we have our surgery um, uh, in-service exam. So that's like our yearly, uh, we call it the ab site. We have that on in January. So I already started studying for that. Um, so I've just been reading, um, just trying to keep up with uh, school, uh, with work. I'm just trying to keep up with all the stuff that we're learning. So I'm on the vascular service, vascular surgery service right now, which is pretty. It's a lot chiller in terms of um, the hours and the workload because they just don't have that many patients and cases. Um, but it's been. Inter- I actually don't. I actually kind of enjoy it. Um, it's kind of, it's a very specialized service, and I enjoy learning some more about um, a little bit more nuanced uh, surgeries. Dude, I remember. You know, and, and the listeners, I'm sure, remember a couple months ago, even probably just a couple weeks ago, your schedule on the weekends and during the week with the hours that you had in the hospital when you were training for the ultra before it got canceled, working out, getting your new house set up, all the studying that you were doing, like that takes some serious 
time commitments and like time management skills. So I think if anyone's ever thought about like leaving the military for something like a, another occupation or another career, like that's really important. So have you done anything differently in the last like three months as you like have, you know, not as much time that we're committing now to, to the ultra cause it got canceled. Do you, do you find you have more free time or less free time? Cause, cause of those things. You know, it's hit or miss, you know, uh, someone on my Q&A asked about like time management, like how to study when working. And it's really just about being like efficient with your time and being able to like manage your time very well and, you know, intelligently. Like, uh, I'd say I'm probably busier now in terms of that. I don't have as much free time. Because um, when I come home, it's usually about like, I don't know, like five or six at night. So I come home, I'll like eat dinner um, or I work out if that's early enough. Um, if I get home before, like around before six, I usually work out for a little bit um, and then eat dinner and then read uh, and study for a couple hours before I go to bed. But then uh, at work, you know, some day, it depends on what I'm doing at work. Like some days I'm just busier than other days um, and some days I'm just not as busy. But like if I have downtime, I try to fill that downtime with something productive, whether that's like doing um, like practice questions, reading, um, like I have like an iPad that I have all my, like a Dropbox that have, that has all my readings on it. So I'll pull up that and, and read during the day. Um, other things I'll do is like if I have, um, patients or, uh, surgeries to prep for, I will prep that early, uh, in the week so that, um, it makes my future life easier. So like I read ahead and look at the patients, like understand why they're getting surgeries and then like read up on the surgery, like steps of the procedure themselves. So just like by the time, it just makes me like the goal that I, like the picture is like, you know, you should make your current, your current Bobby is trying to make future Bobby's life easier. Yeah. So how can I make future Bobby's life easier today? And that's kind of like my, the approach I take for everything right now. Yeah. You're investing in that future Bobby. Uh, when you're reading, what do you do to get over some of the humps? Because there's times where I'll look at my uh, textbook and I'm like, all right, for every hour that I have planned out, I'm going to do 45 minutes or 50 minutes of reading and then something else for five to 10 minutes, whether that's like, you know, bullshitting on Instagram, whether it's reading ESPN, whether it's watching the news, like something that I'm not focused on the text, but I'm not mm-hmm. getting like tracer burnout. Do you do the same thing? Yeah, I think that's actually like a, it's called the Pomodoro technique. And I believe it's 25 minutes on, five minutes off. You do that for like four or eight cycles, and then you do like a 30 minute break. I did that a lot in med school. That was like my studying technique. I had like literally had a timer, like an app on my phone or my computer that would like do like, it'll be like interval timer, essentially. Like you work for 25 minutes, take a break for five minutes, work for 25 minutes, break for five minutes and after like four or eight cycles or two or four hours then you take a 30 minute break yeah and i like it too with the the small breaks because sometimes i'll be upset that i have to even take a break because it'll get to the that point where you feel like i've gotten to the mm-hmm. the top of this ride i'm about to be coasting down where things are starting to click and you're like no because i know if I like i don't take this break in 20 minutes i'm gonna be shot like i'll come right mm-hmm. back into this i'll go grab a coffee do something productive or yeah. like unproductive here in the city and then, you know, go back to, to the reading. But I mean, I feel like there's sometimes just not even enough time in the day and I'll be telling myself I've got four hours that I'm going to devote to this one class assignment. And when four hours comes, wherever I'm at, like I'm done. Like mm-hmm. I, I could turn a four hour assignment into an eight hour assignment. It's just 
you know, I, the, the utility that I'll get for every extra 30, yeah. 40 minutes after is just, it's marginal and not worth it. Yeah, the juice becomes not worth the squeeze at that point, and I would agree with that. Yeah, that was like uh, the big thing that I did in med school is just that that technique and being very disciplined in my time. Um, I think that's like what you, that's like the key to the success is just having that discipline, being able to like create that schedule of from like this time to this time I'm going to do this, then from this time to this time I'm going to do this, and then just creating that mental schema and then making holding yourself accountable for that uh, schedule that you create. No, absolutely. Oh, uh, something that we didn't talk about before, but for those listeners that are new to the podcast, um, Bobby is in Seattle. I'm in New York. But recently, with all the wildfires that are, I think there's still a blaze in parts of of uh, the Western uh, states. Maybe but it hasn't I, really affected what, us too much. Yeah. What was that like? I mean, I f- they were showing like you know pictures of the smoke clouds reaching all the way up to Canada. I mean, did you see any of that? Did you experience any of that? Oh yeah, it was like like a week it was like smoke out it was just super smoky and like foggy outside reminded me of actually like being in afghanistan where you know like uh, uh i don't know for you but like down south like by some of the burn pits mm-hmm. or some mornings you like wake up and it just smells smoky and it's kind of like dusky like sandy yeah. and dusky that's how it was for like a week straight it was kind of bizarre it's like uh yeah we closed all the windows didn't have any windows open it was just really terrible air quality and then like with the sun out it's like it just looked like it was like a like a dust storm or like a sandstorm in Afghanistan mixed with like the burns and the smoke. That's nuts. I I remember every single time we would fly back to uh, Bath, we knew when we were over either getting close to Bagram or, or Kabul because it would just you you just smell it like mm-hmm. it was it was like trashy, smoky. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same thing down near Calf, um, yeah. like this weird like early 1900s industrial England where, mm-hmm. you know, like the moths went from being white to evolving to be black because of all the soot that had covered the trees. I mean, it was just like this weird, like it's just this weird smoke like you mentioned. Yeah, and it was like that for about a week and then it kind of cleared up, it started raining and then it was fine. Uh, now it's just normal Washington weather is kind of forecast and cloudy. I think this Has it been over. pretty cold up there? Because the weather's dropping here, you know, thankfully. Uh, it's starting to like the mornings are getting down to like the forties and the fifties. Oh, it's daytimes are like uh, still like around sixties and seventies in the daytime. It's like it's still pretty relatively nice, um, but there's definitely as much sun as before. Uh, the sun is starting to go away. Have you gotten your uh, pumpkin spice creamer yet for your coffee? I know you're a coffee guru and snob, and I drink my coffee black sixty percent of the year. But we're in the season now, so I don't do that shit. Awful, man! You got to get a frother like. We, no, I, I don't. <laughs> yes, you do. I have, no, not only don't. do I have pumpkin pie spiced coffee, uh, I also have the pumpkin spice creamer that I'll pour in. I'll froth a little bit of it just for that nice kind of sugary top layer. It is, it is a wonderful treat to have just once a day. And then I have regular black coffee the rest of the time. But it's that season. And we're almost in peppermint mocha season. Uh, which is coming up. I went to Walmart the other day uh, while I was visiting Costco, and there's so many other varieties of creamers that I didn't know exist for the Christmas season that they're already advertising, like this uh, sugar cookie. Um, there was a weird frosting one, which I've never associated with Christmas, but we're, we're in the season of coffee creamers, and you're not taking advantage of it. You're just sitting there like, I'm going to pour my hot water over this little mixer thing that I have, and you're missing out, man. No, I'm not. 
You, yes, you are. Um, but yeah, coffee. It's funny because uh, I got into a pretty good discussion with my attendings uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, about coffee, and he had just started like buying like nice coffee and grinding it and doing the whole coffee thing, and he's like. I didn't know what I was missing. Like I, I had no idea what I was missing until I started doing this. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> like once you start doing like the, the good coffee, yes, you totally get it. Like you no, understand. You're the one that introduced me to that because before I just bought like these really crappy Keurig pods or your, your standard coffee. But now when, when I go and I look for like what coffee am I going to drink just solely by itself? Like there's so many different like notes that you pick up from the different beans. Mm -hmm. I mean, even whether or not you buy the whole bean or whether you're getting a crush makes a huge difference. Uh, I'm nowhere near like the coffee snob that like you or Matt Fraser are, but you know, I, I do appreciate like a good ground coffee and I've stopped using the Keurig. I have now just, I, I, a standard like black and Decker coffee pot Mm -hmm. where you, you know, it just brews it. Um, and you can program it. So you wake up to that, that fresh smell in the morning. Yeah. That's a, one thing that I haven't quite gotten into is like the espresso, that espresso game. It's something I want to get into, but that shit's so expensive. Like a good espresso I, setup. I have a Nespresso. Um, Nespresso is actually pretty nice. I actually, which is, yeah. yeah. I it's good. The like, coffee. So in the afternoons, I like to do like a little, like a, like a coffee date. Um, where in the morning I have my coffee when I wake up, uh, like my average day now is waking up at five, having a cup of coffee. I'll read for 30, 40 minutes, go to the gym for an hour, um, get back, take the dogs out. And then around like two to three, I'll have like an espresso. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe like a third cup of, or second or third cup of coffee throughout the morning. But I, I try to limit it cause I don't want to have like 600, you know, milligrams of caffeine a day. I just, you know, that's a little extreme. Yeah, I only drink my one cup of coffee a day. Um, it's probably my wake. It's probably my morning routine. Like I don't really drink any caffeine the rest of the day, um, or avoid really drinking caffeine the rest of the day. But yeah. yeah, I don't have that. Uh, I've almost gotten like I don't think it's a dependency thing. I oh, it's a dependency. <laughs> but it, I think it's uh, it's more routine now. Like there are definitely times in the afternoon I'm like I don't need the coffee, but this is part of my day. Like I'm going to sit down and take 15 minutes and have a cup. Um, I could probably fill that with like some yeah. other, like I've started using, uh, some of the greens in my protein shakes. Now I could easily probably just do something, you know, just have a green smoothie instead, but, um, got to get on the bulk parade, man. Like it's also the season of putting size on. So maybe more coffee will make me work out more. Yeah. I mean, coffee's great. Um, I definitely, it's, probably, it's like like almost therapeutic. It's probably like my morning routine when I wake up. I yeah. wake up, brush my teeth, turn the hot water heater on, grind my coffee, make my setup, pour my coffee. And just That kind of gets my day going. I'll tell you what pisses me off, though, sometimes I'll find, is when I wake up, like, you know how coffee can immediately cause, like, a bowel movement? It's just this weird, like, yeah. science that, you know, you are very aware of. I hate if I haven't finished my coffee or if I'm just getting the smell of coffee, I get oh, interrupted. And then you and ha- movement. Yeah. And then it's just like, Oh my you God. I just like, yeah. Could I, could I've had my coffee and 15 minutes later have this bowel movement instead? No, it's like immediate. It's like, I did not even really get to enjoy this cup that Dude, much. I have, I have that. I get that same feelings a lot of the time. Um, you do during the week though. It's kind of weird. I get really constipated at work. This might be t- TMI for anyone listening, but 
I don't know what it is, but like going to work in the hospital, I just get super constipated. Um, so I just take like stool softeners and like <laughs> fiber during the work week. <laughs> I didn't know this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a thing. I've been trying to figure it out. Like, I don't know why. I think it's like a baseline, like maybe anxiety or stress that goes in the, the being in the hospital. Yeah. But it it was like it occurred during when I was in med school too. Like whenever I'm in the hospital, I just feel like I just can't take a shit. Um, but anyways, I had the same thing on weekends. Like when I'm on weekends, you know, I'm obviously I'm going to work. Um, because I'm wondering when I have my coffee, it's like almost an instantaneous like bowel movement. Yeah. That feeling of, of that urgency. Yeah. It's almost like when, uh, you take pre-workout when you're about to go to the gym and you're like, oh, okay, I think I'm not going to have to go to the bathroom. And then like midway through your first set, you have to like rush to go to the bathroom. I used to, like, I found that my, my biggest problem I had with that was at Fab Pasab with my lifting buddy, mm-hmm. like without fail. I almost feel like my body just started doing it naturally because I did it once or twice. And then it was like, all right, mm-hmm. pre-workout, we'll do a warm-up set. I'm going to run out to the Porta Shitter right outside the front door and get back into it afterwards. But it, it sucks because it's almost like once you shit, Interrupting, it's like your yeah. body just pushes all the energy that you took straight out. And now you're more tired than when you started. That's how it happens. It for those of you that think I don't know science, the caffeine goes in here, it comes out there immediately afterwards if you shit right after having your coffee. It 100%. That's a there's actually a tube that goes from your throat muscles down to your belly out of your ass instantaneous for the coffee track. Scientific that's not, that's not inaccurate. There is Ina- only, okay, we'll see. It's not, it's not inaccurate. inaccurate, it's not accurate. Lawyered boom. It's not inaccurate. But you- Plus or minus a couple of steps, but yeah, that's not too inaccurate. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, speaking of health, I'm surprised that you haven't been called to Walter Reed to uh, to help out the president. That's dude, crazy. Yeah. One of my buddies texted me. He's like, you should go on your computer and pull up his health records on your EMR. And I was like, <laughs> no, thank you. Because that's an <laughs> no, instant. <laughs> I'm instantly going to go to jail and lose my, oh my God, license yeah. if I did that. Instantly. Yeah. I totally forgot that 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 could even. I bet that that's so protected behind like. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, like well, I know you, they use different. They use a different system than we do, anyways. And Walter Reed, but uh, I can only imagine if I like went to his chart, what repercussions I would. Sustain. Well, I think some of like the the public knowledge that was out there, like when he got diagnosed, people were like, he's got like a cholesterol of, like two fifty. Uh, I don't know what that number is. I, I don't think I've ever had my cholesterol tested. I think actually I have. I think I think I'm like it's a little high. I think I'm low. Um, I think his weight is like two seventy or two eighty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean like seventy three, seventy four. Like, and Chris Christie got it too. And that dude oh, yeah. is like bigger than William Taft. So I like they are both significantly at risk for getting like really sick and actually hospitalized, mm-hmm. not a voluntary hospitalization, but straight, like we need yeah. to be here on one of these ventilators type thing. No, I agree. Yeah. Cause I, I, I know that at Cooper uh, and when I was in med school, Christina said that lady Gaga got hospitalized at Cooper when she was on tour or something. Yeah. And lady Gaga. A bunch of people like went into her chart to like look in her chart to see what was going on. And then the hospital like fired like three nurses or something like that for going to a chart. So it's like that's a huge like HIPAA violation. Oh, it's huge. I, well, that's one of the things too that there there's a level of professionalism that you have mm-hmm. to have in oh, every yeah, occupation. And like medicine's one of them. It's like you get gifted the keys to the city essentially for being able to help out a population. You know, and and part of that comes with understanding that 
part of the information that you have is not to be distributed. So that's just like such a violation of trust. I feel like that's why probably a lot of people that are more obese uh, don't want to go to the hospital just because people are going to be like constantly looking into their background because that, that has been an argument um, that obese, you know, people don't want to go there because everyone's just going to say, Oh, it's because of their obesity that they're, they're sick rather than maybe like an underlying cause. I'm just saying I've, I've read that on, on many a, uh, a blog. Is that Jezebel? It is. It is actually. Jezebel speaking. Is that Buzzfeed speaking? Yeah. Hey, you have to do like, it's not opposition research, but just being aware of the, you have to, yeah, you have to be aware of like, you know, so if I'm going to tell somebody that being obese is not good, like I should probably also understand that, you know, if you're obese, what are some of the other things that you have to deal with that a super fit, super good looking person doesn't have to deal with? It's pretty funny. Uh, one of the, a couple of weeks ago, we have med students and then they, they'll give a presentation um, as part of their like going like the last day, they'll give a presentation that where they like take some research and present it to us and talk about like what they would do or something or whatnot. And this one dude talked about bariatric surgery for non-alcoholics. They had a toe hepatitis, basically NASH or NAFLD, which is non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, which basically comes from if you're too fat, your liver gets too fatty and then it eventually goes to cirrhosis and then you go to liver failure from that. And then uh, he was like, this is important because, you know, in the military population, a lot of military pe- people have this disease process. And, and then um, he was like, he was trying to advocate for bariatric surgery to help address that issue. And then, uh, and then I think one of the attendings was like, so what would you do if one of your soldiers had, had a uh, fatty liver disease? And I was like, uh, have him go fucking PT. <laughs> <laughs> but I was just like, I don't know. It's just like, it's, it's kind of appalling uh, if you think about it because I remember I actually looked it up and it was like 42% of Americans are considered obese and I think it's supposed to go up to 50% by the 2030. Like fit, half of America is going to be obese. No, it's unbelievable. And the, the fact that we can't even be honest about it, uh, Fox News was talking about how the president was going to Walter Reed and I can't remember what host it was, but the host was like, yeah, and you know, he's, uh, he's borderline obese. You're like, borderline? No, no he's obese. He's obese. Like I'm a borderline you, obese. I, I, I am now. I'm at two twenty seven. I don't know what, what my you know uh, height, height weight is. I think I need to get to like two thirty five for that. But I mean, that's just like the kind of stuff that people like being obese. Like the whole healthy at every size, I, I don't find uh, convincing because if you're healthy at every size, and taking out the outliers for individuals that are fit that get sick or that come down with you know some sort of cancer. Um, the individuals that are generally obese, if we didn't have modern medicine, I don't see them living beyond 50 or 60. Like medicine is keeping these people alive. And the fact that we look at how bad COVID has hit the United States, we're like the fattest country in the world. And so when people are like, oh, like look at these other countries that have these outbreaks, like per capita, sure, they have a higher death rate, but they don't have that many deaths because their population isn't so fat. And then when we look at like universal health care, the countries in Europe can do it. Canada can do it because they're not wasting tons of money on caring for individuals that did not care for themselves for 40, 50, 60 years. Like that, that is really the like underlying issue with why healthcare costs are skyrocketing is because we're getting so fat as a country. I mean, it's yeah. awful. Just to, uh, 
I pull up. I did BMI calculator. Your BMI is about twenty eight or twenty seven. My BMI is about twenty eight. Okay. Greater than thirty is considered obese, but that's just by BMI. I mean, obviously, body composition matters too. But yeah, uh, but that's the, the the measure. Anyways, but no, I hundred percent agree. It's like, uh, like I love. It's like it's a nice idea to think about having universal healthcare for everybody. Like that's a great idea. I think it's something that we should strive for. Hundred percent. Everybody should have the you know the right to receive health to receive care for their health issues because you know we have the right to life liberty pursuit of happiness so you know right to life you know talk about you know our ability to receive health care as being part of that right to live but then um you have to also weigh into the fact that um with american you know health care costs are already you know the highest in the world in America, something like one point five trillion dollars a year, or something like that, is the healthcare costs, and that's before having like a universal healthcare system. You know, if we were to move into a universal healthcare system, I can only imagine that um, that costs like doubling or tripling just because of the fact that if we talk about obesity um, and obesity-related diseases, um, you know, forty-two percent of Americans right now are obese. Um, so that's forty-two percent of three hundred fifty million people. You think that's what like? Uh, half of 350, so like 160 million people in the United States are obese, and like unless you address the root cause of obesity in America, you like you're, Americans, we're never gonna get to a system that's gonna be able to sustain a fatter and fatter population. Like if you look at the Scandinavian countries, like you know it's great to like look at other countries that have this universal healthcare system that um, are doing well. Like you talk about like Sweden has a universal healthcare system. You talk about like Norway, all these Scandinavian countries that are doing great, but they're also like a fraction of the size of America, and they're all generally yeah. speaking, I don't know, pretty fit because they have a culture of being relatively fit. Yeah. Um, I mean, like Sweden has what a population of like twenty million people. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's something like New York City and the tri-state area yeah. are, are bigger than that. But you look at the foods that these individuals are eating the climate that they're in. I mean, you look at like Iceland, I think Annie Thor's daughter one time was like, you know, why are Icelandic people so fit? It's like, it's dark 22 out of the 24 hours in the day. You don't have anything else to do other than just go hang out in a gym and get fit. It's like not the same. I mean, they just opened up the gyms here in my building. And I think I've seen, I mean, we, we've been every day since it's open for the last week. I maybe have seen 10 total people in there during like my designated hours. And uh, every single one of them is exclusively using like the cardio equipment when it's 65 degrees out. I live next to Central Park. I live next to the biggest hill in Central Park. Like you could easily just go walk that for 30 minutes instead of sitting on this treadmill reading OK Magazine. Like I I don't understand where people just can't stay committed to, to the fitness routines because you've been in quarantine, there's an outlet for you and it's right there. Like Mm -hmm. I I can see the park, go, go walk to it. It's a quarter mile away. Like, and I think it's sad that as a population, when we have so many resources available to us, we don't use them like for good. You know what I had yesterday? I had the new spicy chicken nuggets from McDonald's. Like uh, not good. They're not worth it. No, they, they take like a bag of Cheetos, crush them up, like sprinkle them on top. Like that's the level of spice that you get. So if, if, if Cheetos make you want to drink milk to cool your mouth off, these are perfect for you. These are the least spicy, spicy chicken thing I've gotten. Wendy's spicy chicken wrap, probably up there. Popeye's, uh, like 
that was okay. Little uh, Heat. Little Heat. And then Burger King, that's another good one that they had a spicy chicken wrap. They got rid of all the chicken wraps, which is like the only thing I'd ever really eat if I went to have fast food. So do not recommend two thumbs down on the chicken nuggets. We're not sponsored by McDonald's, so I'm not worried about losing a uh, sponsor of the podcast here. Yeah. And that's another thing, too, is like the, I mean, we talk about obesity, but we also need to discuss, you should, we should bring up the fact that, you know, the health, the food system in America is pretty fucked up right now. And the fact yeah. that, you know, it's cheaper to go get a burger from, like, it's, if you think, like, like a dollar, like, go to the dollar menu at any of the fast food places. And what, like, world do you think a burger should cost a dollar? Like, what are you eating to make it that cheap? Because if you think about it, if, it, if you're paying a dollar for a burger, what is McDonald's paying to produce that burger? Oh, yeah. Six <laughs> cents. Seven cents. I mean, it's disgusting. I, yeah. Like, what, we're, the, uh, what are you eating? The quality. I have, I have the same, like, uh, typically, like, Saturday nights are, like, my, my date night where we, we go and eat somewhere else in the city. Every single day, I have like the exact same thing, like five or six eggs for breakfast with like two cups of either like a broccoli slaw or just broccoli, um, some beans, like a little bit of rice, and then I'll have like a protein shake and another side of greens. My lunch is like chicken breast, rice, um, some sort of like a healthy fat. I have like another snack in the afternoon. Dinner is essentially the same thing, maybe a little bit more fat, and then I have casein before I go to bed. I have the same meal for ninety five percent of my meals for the entire week, like, and it it helps. It pays off. Like I see in the last you know month, month and a half, like my body, I've put a lot of weight on. That's good weight since you know stopping the the Ironman training, but it like it sucks sometimes. Like I would love to crush a jar of Nutella. And like, I'll have some Nutella whenever I want, because I'm an adult. But like, at the same time, I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm not running to the extent that I used to, I'm not biking to the extent Mm -hmm. I don't need this type of calorie coming into my body, when I want to be able to see abs through a shirt. Yeah, it's like that discipline, too. It's like, you know, we talk about, like the uh, characteristics of successful people and disciplines, like I think, number one of all that list of successful characteristics. It's like, you just have to have the discipline to um, to eat properly, to, to train properly, to sleep properly, to do all the right things. And that, I don't know what it is about, maybe just human beings, not necessarily Americans, but, you know, being able or not being able to delay gratification and are kind of searching for that easier or easier, um, easier choice rather than the harder, more fulfilling choice. But yeah, it and it's, it is. I think it's one of the things too, that, when you look at, because we've, we've had people ask us about SARMs, about, you know, other performing enhancement drugs. And I think that's like a, a huge misconception, even with those, because it's not like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Franco Colombo and uh, Lou Ferrigno were, were natural. When they took those like drugs, they were working 10 times harder after taking them so that they were like maximizing whatever they were putting in their body. It wasn't like you took it. He went and sat on the couch and like, Mm -hmm. you know, naturally got up to 260 pounds. Like, you know, he crushed his body to put those drugs to work. So I think in in general, people just always uh, assume that if there's a pill, it's easy and they don't have to put any other effort into whatever they've been prescribed. Yeah. I like, uh, I always thought it was kind of, I always had, it's kind of weird to say, but I've always had a little bit more respect for people that use PEDs because, you know, PEDs don't make it necessarily easier for you to train. Like, you're, it just makes it 
I, I what's what's what, what's the analogy I'm trying to make? It's like it doesn't make training easier. It just makes you be able to train more. Yeah, and it's your like, recover your recovery times less, but that means that like you can go you should you have to go harder exactly. in order to maximize what you're putting in your body. I've got if you want to use like steroids or other PEDs, if if it's legal where you're at, like go ahead and do it. Like I and if it works for you, go ahead and do it. But at the same time, like don't expect that if you're taking it, it just it's it's naturally going to happen. And mm-hmm. like I wish like our pro athletes were able to use PEDs. Like I get the whole trickle down effect where high schoolers and college they don't want those, you know, kids that are developing to, to use them. But if you're in the pros, like, again, I don't want to see, like, I want to see a Cam Newton-style quarterback. I want to see someone who's 6'3", 6'4", 235, you know, running into a 350-pound wall of a man sitting on the, the defensive line. You know, I don't want to see a guy who is clean and natural and a, a 205-pound quarterback, you know, scrambling, like, I want to see like contact. I want to see some big, powerful, like, you know, human vehicles just crushing each other on the pitch. Yeah. It's like, uh, the Olympics. I've, I've always been, a. have always wanted to see like the Olympics just, just let them do drugs just because I want to see what the limits of human performance are. You know, yeah. these are the people that are the most gifted already. And then if you give them every possible get like advantage, see the boundaries of human limits. But I don't know. I get both sides and it's, it, I just think it's funny because it's just like American. Oh, I don't know. If that's just an American thing, but like, it's just to take something or to do something that is perceived as like the easier way out to get results. But it's actually counterintuitive, and in that PDs I think are the harder way out because it makes it harder to get better. Well, Joe Biden, I think, was talking about it back in the late 90s early 2000s where he was going after like Mark McGuire and Mm -hmm. Sammy Sosa. Which, if we look back at that era of baseball. Like it looked like NFL blitz mm-hmm. style players sitting over home plate. Like they were just Matt, Jose Canseco, the Giambi brothers. I mean, just mm-hmm. gigantic humans. But he was sitting there like, you know, I maybe I could have gone pro if I had known that the guy that was, you know, on the other side pitching against me um, was only as good as he was because he was taking drugs. It's like, well, if he was, he was still better than you. <laughs> like, it, it's why I don't like. You know, there's a whole bunch of sports out there to watch. Like, if the NFL's on or an NCAA's game is on, I'm going to watch the NFL. If there's a WNBA and an NBA game is on, I'm going to watch the NBA. Like, I don't want to watch less physically capable, competent athletes. Like, I want to watch the most explosive. I want to watch, like, the most entertaining sport. Um, but I just dislike this argument. I feel like a bunch of politicians were a bunch of like JV bench warmers mm-hmm. that still have it out for the varsity players that put them in lockers because they were not fit. Like, I just, I, I dislike that mentality that we, we make ourselves victims and we villainize people that are more physically fit and just chalk it up to them being on something that we weren't on. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. <laughs> I mean, I just, I mean, PEDs, like, it's, like, look at Lance Armstrong, like, like you know, there's a huge controversy. All of the him. bikers, yeah. all of the bikers were on him. I mean, yeah. like, they make a, what was it, Tour de Pharmacy, the, the Andy Samberg, John Cena uh, yeah, yeah. mockumentary, that was phenomenal. If you've not seen it, it's like three ninety nine. you can rent it on YouTube, it's, it's 45 minutes long, it's phenomenal. But just like, it still requires immense discipline and perseverance, even when when using PEDs to get to the highest level. And it's just, it's not like 
you can just take a PED and you'll magically become, you know, Lance Armstrong by taking that. Like there's no. still, even though, like even during that time, like all the Tour de France bikers were all using PEDs and still nobody came close to Lance's times. Yeah. We had the best biker clean or unclean in the world. I, and then the fact that Americans are like, I'm cutting off my yellow live strong man. It's like, okay, separate the guy from the cause. Like, that did such great things for cancer research and for like getting awareness out for all these different forms of cancer. And he did have cancer. So it's not like he didn't come back and still kick everyone's ass because he did. He came back from cancer. I don't care what he was on. He still beat the shit out of every French, Italian, British, Swiss, Australian, you name it. He did it. He kicked the crap out of them. Like, I just think it's awful that people are like, cancel Lance Armstrong because he cheated. Like, okay, like, glass houses, people. Like, glass fucking houses. Yeah. Speaking of fitness, uh, I did take the ACFD yesterday. Ooh, yeah, I can't wait to talk about this. Yeah, so, um, we, uh, because, you know, it's not, doesn't count for record until FY 2022 uh, for the ACFD, but, you know, they started doing it now so the hospital helped like the troop command or troop battalion whatever the fuck it's called uh had the acft held the acft yesterday and they're holding all week this week too uh so i took it yesterday it was actually pretty relatively not that bad i would say it was like you know it's the deadlift hex bar deadlift three at max the max is 340 which is like i could do that cold like probably 10 reps yeah. cold on that yeah like i like they were like, all right, start warming up. So I just walked up with the heavy bars, picked up one. It's like, all right, I'm good to go. And then like the NCO was like, you still have to wait the next 10 minutes to make sure everybody else is warmed up. I was like, come on. So there's that. Three, the three max hex bar deadlift. I mean, if you are if you can deadlift 400 pounds, like not even like a, not even like a, it's like a joke. Yeah. And then <clears throat> next is the standing power throw with a 10-pound med ball. Max is like 12.5 yards or meters. can't remember which one it is, but... I got 11.6 meters on that, or yards, whatever it is. So I didn't max that one. And that's like a more of a form thing. I just didn't, you know, I can't like, because you throw behind you, you can't really see the trajectory that you throw. Yeah. So I have a suspicion that I was like throwing too high instead of too far. Um, So I wasn't getting quite enough distance on it. I was probably going too too high up. Um, So that's that's an event that I would probably practice more. Technique driven. Yeah, it's way more technique driven, being able to, to throw the ball. After that, you do push-ups. I want to say, and the, it's a that's a the the, the T push-ups where you come yeah, down. Yeah, hand release. Yeah, and you, well, and then you come down like the, your hands have to be like in between your shoulders, so it's like a close grip push-up, and then you come out all the way with your arms extended like a T, bring it back in and push up again. And I actually I got fifty-six push-ups, max is sixty, and I did not feel good about that because I didn't know because I didn't practice that, and that's on me for not practicing the two minutes. So I didn't know like the timing of how fast to go because everyone always says like, oh, these these are really shitty and like it's really hard to max it. So I kind of sandbagged the first minute, just took my time, just to make sure I didn't burn out. But by the end of the, like with like a minute left, I was like, wait, I have like a decent amount of like like ha- I haven't burned out yet on like my pecs yeah. or or triceps. So I was like, I kind of started wrapping them out after that, and I still ran out of time. Um, so that was one thing that I would just say practice to do that at least a couple times to get the timing down. Next is the sprint rack carry, which is uh, like you sprint down 25 yards, sprint back. You pull a sled, 90-pound sled, down and back. 
you lateral down and back, you do kettlebell carry with 40 pounds down and back, and then you sprint down and back. What was your time on that? Uh, mine was a minute 30. Okay. But, uh, so it's not very hard to max if you're like, you know, relatively strong and in shape. The only thing is like, I probably would have done like 120, except that, um, when I pulled the sled down the fucking grader, it was like, you didn't go all the way across the line. And it was like the corner, like probably like an inch worth of like, of the sled didn't cross the line. And I tried turning around. So then we turn around, go back and then come back across. So I probably took off like 10 seconds. Which is, I mean, that's not very difficult. That's like if you're like somewhat fit and, and like have yeah. some leg strength, you can. It's pretty easy uh, event. The leg tuck was pretty fucking was the hanging leg tuck. I thought was really easy. Um, it's like if you can do toes to bar, you can do this like relatively easy. Yeah. Um, it's just about getting the rhythm. So like the first couple of reps, I was like, I came down and it was like sh- like hu- like swung back and forth a little bit. And then by like rep three or four, I figured out like the timing of like coming down at the same time. So you you maintain tension in, in your abs. And then you're, just, you're doing like almost like a strict toes bar type thing where you just... Okay, so you can't, it. like, no kipping? No kipping. Okay. But, like, if you time it well so that you don't swing... Because if you, like, swing your legs down too soon, you know, that momentum from your legs will, like, swing you out back and forth and you're fine yeah. momentum. But if you come straight down with your arms and legs at the same time, like, in this motion, kind of, like, then it's a lot easier. Yeah. So I maxed... Yeah. Yeah. And then the run was... Pre- was That two-mile run was pretty tough. I mean, after, but you still, I mean, you still averaged a sub seven minute pace for it. Yeah. So like I ran a 1336, uh, which is max is 1330, which kind of pissed me off because I didn't realize like the first, the first lap I was like trying to run at like my normal, like 13 minute pace. And then like, I was like, holy shit, this sucks. Like, I don't know if I can hold on to this pace for, for seven more laps um seven more laps what kind of fucking track are you on oh it's a 400 meter track which also pisses me off that we they make us run on this fucking track that's oh like the my worst. god i fucking hate it and the the shitty the even shitty part thing is that they do the four laps and then they measure out like the additional 10 yards to make it the full two miles exactly i just like oh i'm like god. fuck you guys like the, i think uh, the regs say like plus or minus like 100 yards or shit like that or something like that i want to say yeah and you can have different grades like i, I think i've seen some two mile courses that were like 1.96 miles long yeah, yeah yeah it's like plus or minus excellent you're allowed to like be plus or minus and like you can just make it minus a little bit yeah but. that's again uh because if you take your pt test at fort carson by gate six behind what used to be second ibct and now it's like the striker brigade you have like a 250 foot elevation difference so your two miles sucks i'm just telling you straight up i don't care what your elevation is that you're running out there at, at 5800 feet above sea level if you're running downhill it's easy but yeah i was on the track in there and i hate running on the track too but all in all like i thought it was a pretty good test like my final score was like a 589 without really training, training for it or doing anything to prep for it um max is 600 um but you know, not a very hard test if you are physically fit. And it's, I actually enjoy this test. I think that this test is actually way easier than APFD uh, in order to do well on it. Because, like, you know, to do the APFD, you just have to be good at push-ups, sit-ups, and two-mile run, which is, like, any fucking retard can do that, you know. You can just, like, you don't even have to train for that. You can just do that and pass. But, like, the ACFT, you have to be in a pretty good shape, just, like, functional fitness-wise, which just works out well for anybody of you guys listening that, you know, follow us. Like, you're probably going to blow this test out of the water because of the fact that you're able to, you know, you're strong and you have all this other, like, yeah. like endurance and strength and all this other stuff that we preach with our programming. So overall, I think it's a pretty good test. 
I think it's actually easier than the APFD to do well on because the APFD, I mean, I don't train for the APFD. You never have, never will. Yeah. Um, but if you're doing like functional fitness, like the stuff that we do, like you're, you're going to do fine and crush it compared to your peers that don't just do the normal PT stuff. One of the things I liked about the ACFT when I saw them lining it up at Garcia because they would rotate companies in to do, you know, be test subjects for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'd close the gym off. Um, but I'd be in there and I'd get to work out is I disliked elements of it because I thought it was too light. Like I thought the, the sled drag, the, Mm -hmm. the sled push run or whatever the hell it's called, like add, add increase the weight. If this is supposed to like replicate some sort of like a, a combat fitness test, like it needs to be comparable to what you'll be pulling because otherwise people get in to this idea that whether they're combat arms or, whether it's like battle of the sexes, like that is not an appropriate weight. That's a weight for like a 15 year old boy, you know, uh, in gym class. Uh, I, I wish it was like heavier kind of movements. Um, I mean, hell even wall balls, I think wall balls would be a great test, you know, like a heavy wall ball, uh, would be something that you'd want to throw in there. But I think in general, like the deadlift, the hex bar deadlift, sure. Whatever. If you want to max that to like what you feel like you'd be picking up and, Afghanistan, like helping out with all of your kit and, you know, a wounded individual. Sure. But outside of that, like what were the kettlebells that you were running with? I got there like 35 pounds or something. Forties to forties. Yeah. Like that's, that's, that's like too light for the test too. And, but what I really did love though about the test, cause I think it's like a functional test. Like we, we oh, can agree that yeah. there's elements to it that are much better than the APFT. It's hearing and seeing a bunch of both, officers and NCOs that have been in for say 12 to 15 to 18 years that are overweight that talked crap on CrossFit when it came out because it was like, Oh, you're just going to break your back. Like we're going to have so many people on profile. It's like, we're going to have people on profile like you because you've never touched a barbell Mm -hmm. because tubby tubby thinks that just running three miles every morning for PT is going to make you fit. Like I can tell you're wearing a maternity top. Yeah. Like, uh, like I thoroughly enjoyed taking the ACFD because, you know, just being the way that we train in terms of, you know, strength, conditioning, standard CrossFit stuff is like the perfect test for us because this test is super functional. It's like if you don't train like, you know, like a functional, you don't do functional training, like you're, you're going to do great on it. But if you don't do that, like you're kind of fucked, like unless you actually do some strength, like barbell and strength work, you're not going to be able to max out the deadlift. Um even if yeah. you're like relatively in shape, like even if you, unless you deadlift, you're not gonna be able to deadlift the max. No. With the hanging leg tuck, like you have to have some upper body strength and core. You've got to have core strength for that. Yeah, you you have your your forearms have to be conditioning, mm-hmm. um, conditioned. You you have to have some coordination. Which like, oh my god, I can't believe you'd need coordination to be in the army. Like what, you know, if maybe if you're an S one clerk, you don't need it. But I feel like every other you know, branch out there that that's carrying a weapon somewhere and, you know, going up and down over grape rows needs it. Um, so I, I was really like, I was, I've always been against the weights for the ACFT. I, I think I still will be, but I'm not against that kind of a test. Cause I thought like the RPAT was a phenomenal oh, yeah. test of great. fitness. Um, but like that's where, what, what was the max for, for deadlift? Was it like 360 or 405? Yeah, like 365 for three for the hex bar for the R for the raw. Um, I mean, it's all like relative, like it's still, you know, pretty hard, pretty heavy weight, relatively speaking, unless you're actually yeah, like a the, lifter. The 300 meter shuttle 
you know, you got to max out at like sub 65 seconds yeah. for that, you know, uh, on back to back the, the five ten five I thought was great. The broad jump, broad jump yeah. um, metronome pushups was great. Pull-ups. I mean, like pull-ups to max is like 21. Like mm-hmm. that's some great, just well-rounded. And then on top of it, the next day you go and you do a three mile kit run with a oh, bunch of other RPAT, dude. That was oh. the big, that's the big best workout I think I've ever phenomenal. Possibly do. Ph- phenomenal. I just Love remember, and he, he shall not be named, but I remember, you know, at rasp, um, Brian, who can be named cause he's a stud. Yeah. Uh, he had like the fastest time, but then, uh, another individual had a like two minute, like cap yeah, on yeah. him. Yeah. Like way faster, uh, La Drang. And like, they're like, did you, did you miss a turn? Did you forget to do something? And he's like, no, I did. It's like, okay, we're going to just throw up this number. Here's Brian. He's the fastest kid here. He's the fastest kid alive. This is you. You're not. How did you beat him? Like it, it just, it blows my mind. It's such a good test. Oh, like, I love that test. It's so there are hard, some though. Rangers that average a six flat on that thing in kit, like unbelievable strength and speed. Yeah, I remember when I maxed at the RPAT and I just like laughed at the NCO. So the NCO sucked my dick because it's like (laughs) 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 healthy shit talking like to the the headquarters NCO. It's like suck my dick. I maxed that shit. You didn't max. Um, I missed. That was a great test. It was a two mile run in in kit. Yeah. Then it's uh, the rope climb. Rope climb. Then a 75 or 100 yard uh, sled drag. With 180, the Skeco drag with 180. Yeah, then, then it's it was like a caving ladder. Caving ladder. Um, was it a? It's just a sprint. Then yeah, then it's just a sprint, like a 200 yard sprint, and then it's the eight foot wall into a final mile run. The final, yeah. The I mean, Savannah's flat, so doing it on like perimeter road and everything is easy. Um, I I've done it once at Benning. I never want to do it again because that run from the field up past rhq mm-hmm. uh is just a hill for oh, yeah. 400 plus meters like i remember i hit as soon as i hit the wood line beyond where um you know everyone could see like i remember walking for like five seconds like what the fuck and then i'm like wait a second i can't be seen by any- oh rhq's right there shit and i'm like i immediately picked it up because the last thing i wanted to have happen was you know vanek at the time walking out and just being like why are you walking? Why are you walking? And be like, no. I also remember getting asked to, um, like, what's the, I didn't have the question asked, but he proposed, hey, if someone asks you, like, what's the best unit you've ever been in, you say the current unit that you're in. Mm. And I was like, I would never be able to stomach that saying, like, 1-8 calf. Like, I yeah, just, I, I don't think I'd be able to say I that. would have said 211 infantry out of eyeball. <laughs> <laughs> Would not have ever come out of my mouth to say that like a cav unit was better. <laughs> it's like I'm. Thank you for not asking me that. Like I would have, I would have failed your test miserably. <laughs> oh man, that's hilarious. Yeah, I was like, I would not have said anything with <laughs> the best unit ever been in. <laughs> yeah, no, I like. <laughs> um, all right, so we got we've we've had a couple questions too that we can uh, finish up on it as people are going to schools now and schools are opening back up. Uh, a couple have asked about while they're at Benning, you know, at Iabolic, what are some good courses uh, to go through? And I think you could probably answer that for the guys that are out at Sill if you, if you have opportunities to to hit schools up. And so, like, I'll be pretty honest with it. Iabolic, you should fin- finish Commandant's List. Like, there's real no excuse not to finish Commandant's List. Uh, and here are a couple of reasons why. 
you're going to have uh, foreign service members that are in your class. So like if you fall behind them on anything, like quit, like you should leave, you shouldn't be in the infantry. Like there's no reason these people, I don't care if they've been battling like ISIS in Africa, if they've been, you know, fighting beside the Kurds, like I don't care what their excuse is. You should not lose uh, to a foreign service member because you're American. Um, two, you're probably going to have a lot of national guard individuals that are in your class. Um, and like, while I'm not going to say the active duty is like smarter than the national guard, what I am going to say is like, you're going to be going full time army. These individuals need to learn the skill set because, you know, one weekend, uh, a month and two weeks during the summer, they're going to be putting this into practice, but it is not their primary profession. It is your primary profession to be the world's best infantry officer. So you shouldn't lose to any National Guard or reservists. So that really like dwindles down the numbers for most classes to where you're only competing against 60 some people. So that being said, finish Commandant's List. Get your Ranger tab. Um, you can make as many excuses as you want, you know, tiny heart syndrome, whatever have you. If you legitimately have an injury, you have an injury, go back as soon as you're fresh. But you should get your Ranger tab. Now, okay, those are the two courses that you should have when you leave Benning. What are some other ones? If you're going to an airborne unit, uh, they used to send guys automatically to, to airborne whether they were going or not. Now it's, you know, you have to be going to, to one of the three or four units that are jumping. Um, if you can't get airborne, uh, Air Assault, Pathfinder, like whatever. Those are just those like badges that you see usually like some senior captain has. Yeah, they're just, I mean, like they're cool schools to go to. But if you have a guy in your unit that's sling load certified, like they don't need you because that dude's going to do exactly what you're going to do. And the pilots know how to land. You don't have to sit there and do this like cut sling load and all these like, you know, super fancy hand signals. If you saw me doing them, then clearly I went to air assault. Uh, pilots are just going to be like, get out of my landing zone. So air assault pathfinder, don't do it. Go to mortar leader course, go to the heavy weapons leader course. Uh, don't go to Bradley. You can pick that shit up real easy. Cause if the tankers can do it and they're dumb as rocks, you can do it as an infantryman and a Bradley. Um, Go to like the advanced rifle marksmanship course. If you can go to Arslick, go to Arslick. Like that's another great course. But outside of that, that's it at Benning. Um, you're not going to get sweet schools. And if you're just looking to get badges, and I, I get it, I've been there where I've wanted just more chess candy. Long term people are successful because they take things from pertinent schools and put them to application and use at their units. So take stuff you learn at Ranger School, use it with your platoon take stuff that you could learn in our slick with reconnaissance put it to use in your platoon same with the heavy weapons stuff like or a, an advanced signal uh class where you learn about all the different radios stuff that actually matters in combat is what you should be like really creating a curated playlist of schools not what looks good on your uniform because you know i'm sure we all know people that have a bunch of chess candy that absolutely sucked at being soldiers so like that should be your focus and being super fit and good looking and having a great flow. Yeah, I'll second that for F.A. Bullock. Commandant's list, not that hard to do. You know, like like Sean was saying, you have international students, you have National Guard students, and then you have people that go F.A. because they didn't get anything else. Um, but yeah, I'll leave it at that. Commandant's list at F.A. F.A. Bullock, not hard to get. Uh I would recommend getting JFO if you have any inclination of, you know, going to the line, getting JFO while you're there. 
Although I have heard that they have incorporated JFO into FA Bullock's curriculum, so everybody is now JFO qualified when they leave that's FA cool. Bullock, which I've heard. I don't know if that's true or not. That's cool. Um, definitely, you know, get a Ranger School slot. It's pretty hard. I think it's pretty hard to get it out of FA Bullock unless you're like an absolute stud. Um, so it's not the end of the world if you don't get it at FA Bullock. Um, and then. If you don't get it at F.A. Bullock, not the end of the world, just go get it when you get to your unit. Um, but, you know, incumbent upon you to be one fit, fit enough to get that spot. Yep. Because you'll go through, like, levels and levels of assessments to go to school because, you know, each brigade has X slots and then they're not going to waste that slot on someone that's not going to pass. Uh, so just be in really good shape uh, when you leave F.A. Bullock um, and then get JFO. <coughs> And then that's probably the only school I would actually recommend out of F.A. Bullock's like JFO and Ranger School because everything else kind of like not really beneficial unless you're doing it in real life. So like sure, I, I did like the CDE course because we're doing Connect Strikes. So like that was a good course if you're doing Connect Strikes. But, you know, why would you do that? Yeah. If you're not, you know. If you're not doing it. Me. No, I agree. There, um, Other courses that like I know uh, – some ranger companies have like gone to or like the uh is it mountain warfare or the arctic warfare there i think i think there's two like there's one's two. up in Alaska. vermont yeah and the other's yeah, yeah and one of them's like marine led so like that's a really cool class if uh you can do something where you're learning like advanced mountain techniques with ropes with the gear that you've got with orientation like that's super applicable especially you know like it's really hard to understand how difficult it is until you're put in a situation where you're patrolling in the mountains and being able to identify different elevations and the dead space that are created by uh, the terrain and, and needing to you know lead individuals through those areas, knowing how the signals interrupted and knowing what you know different kind of fires are going to do for for that uh, geographic area. I mean, it's like really sometimes you know somewhat overwhelming to to really conceptualize all that. And if you go to a course. Um, it, it just makes it that much easier to really effectively plan routes uh, and your fires and ensuring that you're in constant communication with hires so that you can, you know, prevent uh, any kind of, you know, enemy attack. So there's a lot of great courses out there. They don't all have to come with a tab or a badge to do. And I think it just talks to being more humble in, in your, you know, uh, abilities and understanding that, again, what you look like is is not always indicative of how good you are, but what you're bringing to the table speaks volumes about you know what kind of care and commitment that you're going to put into the organizations that you're charged to lead. It's a good point. Yeah, I was like, if you look at my, I guess, chest, you, you don't got. I don't have much. I always have my tab and airborne wings. You know, never got, never was shot at. Didn't get my cab. Didn't you know go to jump master? Didn't have aerosol. Didn't have any of the cool badges, but. At the end of the day, I think like I still have a you know pretty good reputation and resume despite not having anything to show for it on my chest at least. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I think airborne is one of those ones that like you could literally fall out of a plane and be fine. Um, I thought going to airborne school was like day three. I was like, let's just jump. Like I've learned okay. how to fall enough. Yeah. Like we're good. Um, stuff I did not pay close enough attention to at airborne though was like how to rig the ruck. Um, like I feel like people just like hand wave that because uh, when I got to regiment, they're like, all right, you know, we're not jumping Hollywood, like bring your shit in. I was like, uh, okay. The, 
this goes through the the red hole, which goes oh, through the. We blue. had battle labs. We jumped battle labs. That was easy. Oh yeah, no. We, I also like had... never dropped. I never actually dropped my rocks when I when I jump because I didn't want to. Which is another thing to worry about. <laughs> oh yeah, I just, ride just it trying in. to drag it. Yeah, yeah. I just ride it. I in. felt bad for the guys jumping the goose. You know. Like, oh yeah, I was like, that thank was, God, I'm, I'm standing. I mean, like we're always. I'm standing right behind them on every single jump, and they're just like, God damn it. <laughs> like, yeah, the goose or like the the 240 or whatever. Yeah, jumping, like the machine guns and, and the goose. I was like. Good luck to you guys. Yeah, you guys are going to burn it. And like my, you know, the goose guys were um, like the two that I had were stupid fit. Like they just looked like, you know, these high school college wrestlers, just like not an ounce of fat on them. And I'm like, if anyone's going to be able to hit this and not be impacted, it's like these guys. But they were just like, I mean, like good, uh, tough. I, I mean, jumping like extra radios, I was like, damn it, this is heavy. I, I literally cannot fathom like jumping out of a plane and like getting spun upside down and just knowing that like when I hit, I've got this gigantic metal tube that I'm just going to crash on. Like, no, <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. It's like, you can't pay me enough to jump static line anymore. Like cool. If you like jumping static line, but like at the same time though, I'm like, it got old real fast in regiment cause we never jumped Hollywood. And that's like, I feel like the, Everybody else in the airborne, they just jump Hollywood constantly. Daytime oh, Hollywood jumps. What? As soon as I left, like the very next jump they did was out at Tybee. Uh-huh. Um, and so they just jumped in PTs. They did a ramp nice. blast. And then they got picked up by Zodiacs. And I was just like, what the fuck? Like, why? <laughs> I left too early. Yeah, it was like a 375 when I was there. The battalion command team outlawed Hollywood jumps. Um, so we just never did Hollywood jumps when I was in battalion. Not do a single one. Uh, and that's a pain in, the, pain in the ass jumping, you know, tactical. Yeah, well, they almost also canceled, what was it, Thanksgiving or Christmas? I remember we were we were all waiting. And, yeah. Yeah, and it was like the arms room was dirty. And I'm like, we were gonna we were hanging out or we were doing something where we, like, we were going to meet up. And, like, it just, I'm, I'm sitting there getting texts from, from, from the both of you just like, what the fuck? Like, God I remember damn it. Because someone, the battalion commander inspecting the arms room and then went to go inspect a weapon, racked it open, and a round fell out. <laughs> oh, I thought it was just dirty. No. I, oh, no. I, I know who whose weapon that was, too. It was, I, I won't say who and what company it was, but yeah. Oh, no. Went, <laughs> luckily, it was a blank round, but, you know, but still, the fact that they had a round in the chamber in the arms room. And oh, I was like, BC was pretty pissed after that. Oh yeah, just, I can imagine. Uh, we had a, we had a number of guys that like after the deployment, uh, the battalion commander was really pissed because he was like, I don't know what the general fitness is. Like, I'm not seeing like uh, enough people taking like RPFTs, and so he did like an NCO officer call where he just had a massive RPFT, and we had a handful of dudes not past the 40 minute like time threshold, and they were like, Oh yeah, see ya. Like, yeah, get out. we did the same thing with like a battalion five mile run standard. And if you did not pass the 40 minute mark, you were put information in front of the type of battalion. Yeah. We, I, I mean, but that's like the, I mean, again, policing your own. Yeah. Like doing the right thing, doing those checks, like, you know, like the, that attention to detail adds up in other areas. Um, and people bounce back from it and they get better, but like, it's just, 
I, I love how all the like military meme pages like they shit on the eighty second because um, I think you know guys guys take it pretty well that are in the eighty second. I mean, if like if you can go to any unit that's not Ranger Regiment, like I would go to Bragg. Oh yeah, like Dude. I would. Yeah, be fine with 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 serving at Bragg because at least you're around people that are like super motivated. They really love their unit. I don't know, however many units that are out there that really have that kind of esprit de corps outside of uh, Ranger Regiment. Um, but I mean, it's like the running joke. Like you know, I got RFS and now I'm at Bragg and I'm killing it. I went from being like you know a corporal at Regiment to now I'm a squad leader. You know, two months in at Bragg. Like yeah, it's just like you are. I, and I've constantly told people this. Like my squad leaders that I had at regiment could easily walk into any platoon sergeant position, uh, in the regular army and absolutely nail it. Same with my platoon sergeant at regiment. That dude could go be a first sergeant, uh, anywhere in the army and absolutely just crush every other first sergeant in that, you know, battalion and brigade, unless, you know, they themselves are doing like charter time. Yeah. Like, uh, one of my FOs, uh, for the life of him could not pass the E5 board. So we eventually had to like let him go and he went to brag. Do you run from an E4 specialist, a tab spec, to an E6 squad or section leader in, in a year? Like yeah. jump to jump he got his E5 immediately and then got his E6 like a year later. Uh, but that's like I guess a testament to the regiment and how it does. But then, yeah, it was kind of they're actually standing up a surgery program now at at Womack at Bragg, uh, where they're taking two surgery residents now. And I was like, damn, I wish they had that. When I was applying, because I would a hundred percent go to Bragg to go work at Bragg. Yeah, um, and, and you know, but I, I think you know Seattle area is much better than you know, yeah, living like in living wise. But like, as far as I'm sure, like they have their own unit, like I guess program culture. Like their program culture up here uh, in Madigan is it's kind of it's super Type A personalities, and it's like it yeah. reminds me of being like in, in South and like Ranger Regiment. But as far as like units here, they're like, like second ID, at least. But at least for those they of you that aren't group. watching the podcast, did the the, the jerk, jerk motion. motion. So, yeah. but at least that they was... have two seven five here. So we have some Rangers, we have some SF dudes, we have one sixtieth guys here. So at least there's some element of soft. But yeah, the rest of second ID, I'm just like, pfft. yeah, didn't yeah. do the motion on that one, but you can understand it with the, pfft. yeah, um, yeah. That's how uh, I felt when. Like I was at Carson and to be honest, like the, the support battalion were like primarily the only people that I ever saw from 10th group. And so I think it's like a bad representation of that group in general. So if like you're at Carson and you think you're seeing an SF dude nine times out of 10, it's just some dude that supports them, but thinks he's soft. Um, and, and it will be like a giant letdown, but yeah, it's like, I don't know. Four ideas now, like super heavy. It's it's two striker brigades and an armor armor brigade. Um, I just I don't understand that. You're out at at Carson. There's so much terrain to use for for light infantry, and it's just heavy, 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 heavy. Like that. I don't know. It doesn't make for like a really fit formation. And I, and I get people like love it out there and the whole like mountain warrior thing, but I don't see that any longer because it's just a bunch of striker brigades. And once you like the death before dismount thing is just such a, I think it's like a bad culture because it doesn't promote physical fitness. Um, you get too comfortable in your vehicles. Uh, you know, you, you can take shortcuts cause you can drive places. 
I don't think it's like a a, a fit fit way to fight. Bunch of lazy ass. Fat yeah, I mean that's what that's what it was. It was like you, you have these tank formers. I mean that's literally why I really disliked being at Hood. It was easy to stand out at Hood if you were super motivated and you didn't have to touch your Bradley, but. You had guys at Hood that were more proud to wear a Stetson than to like wear a shirt that says Ranger on it. Um, I'm not a huge fan of people wearing like like tab shirts. It's just like okay, unless if you have the opportunity to get your tab, get your tab, be proud. Um, but if you have your tab, like go get the next thing. Either it's a scroll or a long tab, and like get out of the regular army. But like I I remember like people gave bad looks to dudes wearing shirts with tabs on them or shorts with tabs on them. And they would like mock you for it. It's like, why can't you be super proud of having a tab? Cause I guarantee if you're giving me flack for it, you don't have it. Um, and, and you're like a little jelly bitch like, Oh, he's got his tab and he's proud. I don't, I don't care if there's a tab on every truck, you know, for every second Lieutenant that finishes Ranger school. It's brutal. I didn't do it, but you know what? Like if someone gets offended by that, tiny tiny heart syndrome like that's just like that's a bigger indication of the person you are than the person that they are being proud of a school that one percent of the army has because you guarantee know that if you had that tab you would be proud to rock it and you have it on your truck just like you have your entire fucking like erb on the back of their sergeant major like i'm so so thankful that you have two arcoms like thank you for letting the world know that you're a g watt you know veteran like Take your Dodge Ram, your F-150, get the fuck out of my face. Like, I would rather have the specialist that has a tab sweatshirt because he actually went and did something. It's funny that you mentioned that. I uh, yesterday have the ACFT. You know, it's in it's Army PTs, but I don't have any, like, an Army. I refuse to buy the Army jacket PTs, big Army PTs. So I wore, like, my regimental um, Ranger oh, yeah. crest sweatshirt. Yeah. And not a single NCO said anything. Not a single person said anything to me. I think there was like one of the nurses was like, I guess when you're your doctor, you can wear whatever you want. And I was like, once you're a ranger, you can wear whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. I, I did the same thing. Um, I wouldn't wear the, the DUI. But if I had like a sweatshirt that was like for our unit, I would wear that over like the yeah the army jacket. And like some people be like, well, it's not... It's not authorized. It's like you have guys wearing like company level T-shirts every single day for PT. I just think like people just get butt hurt when like you're not wearing what they expect you to wear. It's like then make a rule. Tell me I can't wear a sweatshirt that says you know that has my unit on it. Yeah. Um, I was but speaking kind of, of sweatshirts, I we're gonna get a test set here soon, going with like an embroidered Cronus fit, either on a black or a heather graphite uh, sweatshirt, so that you guys can rock it at your unit PT. Um, and again, just let people know you're better than them. I mean, that's really the end of the day. You do Cronus fit, you're better than them. You're probably better looking than them. You're definitely better built than them. And now you're going to have better gear than them. I mean, if, if there's anything that Cronus fit has taught you, it's like you're good looking and you're cool. Yeah, I've kind of uh, become definitely become more of a shitbag since becoming a doctor in terms of I just don't give a fuck about anything that's like army regs related. Like, uh, it was pretty funny. Like, at the PT test yesterday, I was just wearing my Ranger DUI sweatshirt. No one said anything yeah. to me. I just think nobody had the balls to say anything to me. <laughs> no, I mean, no, no one has the, no one has the stones no. to do that. Because I, I think at the end of the day, it just, like, it opens them up for, for, like, they, they pick small things that aren't important. Um, 
I think I was uh, in the gym one time. I still had my sweatshirt on because it was still freezing, and and someone decided to come up and tell me and Dan, like, hey, you you can't lift with your sweatshirt on, or like, you know, that's like a mismatch of the PT uniform. You know, trying to cite something that had no sight to it, and it's like, don't play this game, like. Stay, unless it's like if your shirt's untucked for PT, I'll tell you your shirt's untucked. Like that's a standard. That's the rule. Tuck your shit in. But if you're fat and you're gonna come up to somebody and try to play like hardcore NCO, like I'm sorry, like you're gonna fail like a hundred times out of a hundred times on this one because I I'm gonna say okay, like so you tell me I take my sweatshirt off because you don't think it's within regs. Guess what's coming, buddy? Like I'm gonna ask you why you're fat because that is definitely out of regs. Yeah, like in the in the hospital, I walk around with my hands in my pockets because we have pockets in our scrubs. So I walk around with my hands in my pockets, and my hair is long as shit. Uh, it's just funny. Like I just don't care. And like, no well, I just think like it's like the people that focus on like those small details. Like and it's always like some tabless armor sergeant major, and I've seen enough of them. I feel like that's just like the constant that I know. It's like they always focus on things. Because that's like the one element that they feel like they can they control, can control. Yeah. because outside of that, like they really can't stand up on anything else that they've got because everyone knows like, like, oh, you've got multiple deployments to Afghanistan. Okay. Well, if they're after like 2013, 2014, I, I guarantee I know what kind of deployments those were. And then it's like, oh, you've been in vehicles and tanks your whole life. When's the last time a tank was like significantly used in combat, even in Iraq and Afghanistan? Like how many times, how many tank engagements have you seen? And like there's been damage done to tanks, yes, but like 99% of all casualties are, you know, either dismount or, uh, you know, like uh, the, the vehicles being hit by like, you know, a 400 pound IED. Like that's the kind of stuff that people associate. So if you're riding around in a tank, like, come on, man, you were in a Cadillac on every deployment. Let's be real here. So, like that—that's what's really frustrating to me is we, we have NCOs and officers that put stock in not being fit, but put too much stock in the fact that your uniform doesn't look like pristine to them. Like that's that's the wrong focus. Yeah, I wonder what the vibe is that people think of me in the hospital because if, uh, the people that I've never talked to will come up to me and ask me if I'm like the ranger doctor. Because apparently Good. people talk about me. I don't know. It's kind of bizarre that people know who I am before I... Dude, I, I didn't know... Oh, dude. I was uh, taking a patient after surgery to the, to the recovery room. And the nurse I handed it off to was like, "I are you for Cronus Fit? And I was like, uh, yes. And he goes, I bought one of your programs. I follow your like your SF prep program. Um, That's awesome. Like, oh, Which is free. The SF prep is free. So if you've purchased it, please don't. Yeah. It's free. So it's kind of funny it kind of makes me wonder if i should be more aware of the uh of the persona that i am you know putting out there and that maybe i should be more doing the right thing if people are watching me yeah i don't have to worry about that i'm in a city of people that get offended if you don't wear a face mask when you're out in public yeah because i like i walk around with my hands in my pockets which i'm not really sh- I, at the same time though i don't read any of the regulations in the hospital because i just don't care um, you're also in scrubs so it's yeah so i just don't know whatever it is what it is if i come up I, with a shitbag vibe then, then whatever i know my reputation is is uh you're either that that hot dude obviously uh and then usually the second one is like you're that asshole I'm like okay like 
Yes. I like very, like the people that I like that I'm friends with, it's like, you know, it's like a community like this. Everyone else, like, I just, I'm not, I'm not into it. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe I should, I don't know if I should be more aware, but I think I'm also like pretty good, pretty aware of the vibe I put out. Like I'm pretty nice. Everybody in the hospital, yeah. I'm not a dick that I've, I've seen other doctors be dicks too. I actually help out patients. So like they, like I won't ask a nurse to do something that I won't do myself. Like kind of like typical, like being a good leader type of thing. Oh yeah. Like super, like I'll, I'll be super respectful to people and, um, I don't know. I just don't, I think like what we talked about, there's like standards that you need to be really good at. Like, I think when you go to a, a range, you have to shoot well, you have to be safe with your weapon, you have to be physically fit. Like those are standards people should care about. I don't care if you're wearing non-standard boots to, to go do a live fire. I don't care if you wanted to buy an ops core so you could wear Peltors. Like I do not care. I don't even care if you want to wear your, you know, plate carrier that you bought for $350 at home. So long as you have the plates in that were assigned to you that we know are ballistically tested, good to go. So it's just like the uniform stuff that I've never understood why people get, you know, their panties in a bundle because I don't think that is necessarily indicative of how good of a, of a soldier. Now, if, if like you have to wear, for instance, like, you know, in regiment, you know, wear your gloves, all the PPE and stuff. Like if that's the rule, then wear it. Um, but like, don't be the guy then that goes to the range and then has like all of your gear like dangling off that wasn't assigned. Like that's the, the kind of stuff that I dislike when it comes to standards. It's like, don't be like the airsoft guy because you think it looks cool. Like practical standards for practic- practical pieces of equipment and uniform. Like that should be the test. But we were, we were rambling there. I'm sorry. We got off on a, on a tangent of things we disliked about hands and pockets and, and shit. So I think what we can probably summarize there is we, Bobby and I probably have a reputation of being somewhat dickish. Like, I don't think I have a reputation of being dickish. I have, I, have a, I have a very nice reputation in the hospital. A lot of people, okay. a lot of nurses say I'm the, I'm the nice doctor. Thank you. You're the much. nice doctor. So what if Bobby and I, Monis Bobby, have a reputation of sometimes being dickish? Like, we get it. Like, we can be like that. Bobby can't be like that, apparently. But we get it. Okay. But, like, just be good at what you do so that if you are, who cares? You're good at what you do. That's like, true. If you're good be, at whatever, yeah. As long as you're yeah, good, you're, you can back it up. Yeah. Whatever. Like, I would not be this way if I sucked at life. Like, <laughs> I'd be like, you know, I'd be the guy that would have to virtue signal to make myself feel better. I'd be banging pots every single night at 7 p.m. here in New York still City. They still do that. Yes, dude. I, I live across from this... Uh, community over here at 400 central park west and it's this uh big u-shape four building uh block that probably has a couple thousand people and i like it's like a cone of pots and pans every night and people get out there with their like giant megaphones and they scream and they cheer and i'm like god like just go go do something like no there's no doctor that's probably going like good I, if i didn't just come off shift and i'm really tired good uh if i just came off shift and uh i'm super wide awake but i wanted to have quiet time with my family and be like out of all the annoying kit this is great because this is exactly what i wanted to hear out my fucking window like i don't i don't get that why it's still a thing this is new york city Dude, new. I'm moving. I 
I went and started looking at places in Jersey. That's what I spent all day yesterday doing on a tangent. If you're still listening, you can check out. I'm going to talk about Jersey real quick because Bobby's from there. But like I checked out like Weehawken, Hoboken, North Bergen. Like I- I'm getting out of New York City. I'll break my lease early. Um, I had a woman tell me the other day not to get on the elevator with her. I wore my- I wear my mask now. Like I, I wear it because I just like whatever. Like I'll do my minimal part if I'm in a building. So I'm waiting to get on. This woman wearing like mop level four puts her arm out in front of the door and goes, no, no, no. I laughed at her and I said, no. And I just walked right by her arm. And then she got off to like mumble and complain. And then the door shut and I kept going down and she had to get the next elevator. Like that's what I hate about this city. Like it is just, there's something about the people here where they're like constant victims. Um, they get wrapped around like one narrative of things. Like I am not a conservative person, but if you are a conservative person, like you are literally Hitler reincarnate to these people and there is no talking with them. I've got friends at law school that literally are posting things about Donald Trump right now that like for better or worse, you don't like him. He made, he's made some like incredibly stupid decisions when it comes to his health and managing, you know, the coronavirus. But guess what guys like, we live in a relatively federalist society. Like the states have a ton of power to curb this kind of stuff. And if you live in a state that didn't want to curb that, go, go talk to your governor and representatives too. But people are attacking him. Like he is literally created like a second Holocaust and like, and, and that kind of extreme talk, I like it blows. I just want to get away from it. Cause it's like, you can't have dialogue here in the city. New York city is the most, um, without being like overly politically correct, it is the most free speech restrictive environment I've ever been in. And and like, and that's even in a law school, because if you have a conversation where you try to bring in, like, if you just wanted to play devil's advocate, why uh, Roe v. Wade should be overturned, people will complain to the teachers, to their friends, to the administration on anonymous student boards that you like infringed on their rights, that you attacked them like this, this open dialogue, um, you know, marketplace of ideas thing does not exist in this city. And like, that's a very broad statement. I understand that, but I have seen it from like the academic elites. I've seen it from people on the streets. Like they live in this own, they're their own little microcosms. And if anything is different outside of it, like they freak the fuck out. Like it, I hate it. Cannot stand it. Like negative people, closed-minded on the very far left side. Like it, it's why we have such a divided country right now. Yeah, it's just the like the closed-mindedness and the inability to have empathy for anything besides your own perspective. Yeah, and uh, you know the you have to have a. I just I, you have to have like this real hypocritical side of you that refuses to acknowledge things. I mean, like Trump said it during the debates, like he's been elected for four years. The whole reason that, you know, Democrats are mad uh, are because the Republicans back in 2016 and 17 were like, Hey, if we have the opportunity to appoint a Supreme court justice, we're not going to like out of principle, like let the electors decide. Well, they went back on the word. Okay. Like they're politicians. What did you expect? President Obama did the exact same thing. He tried to put, I think it was Merrick Garland up to the Supreme Court. And they were like, no, dude, like we control the Senate. Like you're not getting this guy into the Supreme Court. It is the president's right. It's not like, 
you know, he's supposed to go, I wonder what I should do. It's like, that is your job, like fill the seat. And so I get from a policy, a public policy standpoint, maybe it it, it looks um, badly because if Amy Coney Barrett sits on there, that's a 6-3 majority, like that is going to be very hard. But generally, Supreme Court has been relatively conservative when it comes to interpretation of the Constitution. But the fact that people are like, they don't even acknowledge that. They don't acknowledge that, you know, the Democrats tried to do that in 2016. It just like, it speaks to their immaturity. And I would say it speaks to some of the stupidity of my own peers who are at law school, incredibly privileged, that are complaining about like society tearing them down. But it's like, you're going to law school. And, and the fact that you don't have enough awareness to to recognize what the Constitution says is just like, that's like, I feel like going to med school and not being able to distinguish a cold from you know, an amputation. Like it just, it, it, it blows my mind. I hate this city. Yeah. I'm, uh, not going to live in the city anytime soon. Yeah. I'll work in the city. I don't want to live here. It's just, I feel like, like I walk out of my room and I'm going to go, like, I'll go run for a, you know, a a couple miles in the park. And like, I'm just running as if someone's going to yell at me for, stepping in front of their city bike when I have the green light. Uh, you know, their dog is off leash and runs after me. It's my fault all of a sudden that their, their you know, golden doodle, uh, you know, couldn't keep its shit together. Like, it's just nobody takes responsibility for anything in the city. Everything is everyone else's fault. Like, it's bad. Don't come Don't come here if you have an opportunity to, to live in the city. Live in Jersey. Commute here. Keep your car. You can go to Costco whenever you want. You're not paying seventy five dollars for a single avocado. Like these are these are my. This is what I have to deal with. So, such a hard life. Such a hard. It's such a tough life. I've got so a. I'm I'm reading all day. I'm I work out whenever I want. I I have a decent sleep schedule. I get to look at Central Park. If anything, you should take away from this podcast is just like it's tough. It's tough for me. Life and I look, tough. I'm this good looking with this much of a power beak. Like it's been a hard life. Speaking of hard, uh, Eagles, oh, what God. the fuck Carson wins? I think this is Carson wins last year, unless he gets his shit together the rest of the season. Uh, so we'll see. I don't know. The Niners, we'll play the Niners tonight. And the Niners are pretty banged up, too. They, they don't have Jimmy G. They don't have Raheem Mostert. They don't have Nick Bosa. So that's, like, three major players that are gone for them. So they might have a chance tonight. But I think we don't have any of our wide receivers. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll put in Jalen Hurst. Like, I want to see what that dude does at quarterback. Well, he did fumble the ball last week. I didn't see that because uh, I was in an NFL blackout zone because apparently – New York City only again another great thing in New York City they only want you to watch one game at one o'clock on a Sunday. Yeah, he like uh, it was like one of those wildcat where he it was like the option of uh, handing it off or running it, and then he stuck in the I think it was Miles Sanders' arms, and then he didn't let the ball go, and then the ball he fumbled the ball on the, on the handoff. So yeah, okay, well whatever. Like it's the first couple of games, I mean, how many yeah, interceptions has Carson Wentz had because he can't set his feet? Bring back Nick Foles. They should never have let him go. He led you to a Super Bowl. Like, if anything, they should have gone, you know what? This is a sign. This is a sign. I don't want this, like, ginger taking snaps for my team. Like, and then look what he did for the Bears last Bears, week. Yeah, yeah, Nick Foles is just like, what a guy. Like, what a guy. 
what a guy. Great quarterback. So incredibly humble. Ice in his veins. Like, I think he would have done great down in Jacksonville had he not broken his collarbone, like, you know, first play of the yeah, season. <laughs> like, just so unfortunate for him. I truly don't think he cares if he wins a Super Bowl or if he doesn't. He just plays, you know, as best as Nick Foles can play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for those of you that forget, he still had a seven-touchdown uh, throwing game. Like, He's a stud. Nick Foles is just a great, great quarterback. And we got rid of him because we thought Carson Wentz was the guy because he had one really good season. Never been the same after that season. No. But at least Philly got a, a championship finally. Like, Unlike the uh, Washington football team, which, which lost we lost to. to which we which lost I, to. oh my God. It, uh, uh, I don't even <sighs> awful Doug Peterson like this might be his last season if he can't turn it I can only imagine what the uh, all the station are saying in Philadelphia I can't imagine what the commentary is like in Philadelphia they're lucky that they don't have fans in the stadium because they would have batteries thrown. Oh, they would have thrown batteries already yeah yeah absolutely my I've got uh, some cousins that are still there and I just talked to one this morning and he was like yeah uh, I was like, hire or fire him, and he goes, fire immediately, fire. Yeah. Like I can't imagine what the local papers and the local stations are saying right now in Philly. Oh, you know it's you know it's awful. You know for for guys like uh, who's the who's the long hair Trevor Lawrence. Uh, there's now like a rumor that they were talking about on ESPN that he's not even going to come into the NFL next year because he doesn't want to get drafted by uh, was it not the. Not the Bengals or the Browns. Who's the other awful team? The Jets. Uh-oh. Another New York. New York awfulness. Uh, doesn't, like, you're going to go 0 and 16. Like, why would you want to play for the Jets? Like, I'd rather stay at Clemson for another year than, than play for the Jets. Probably because Clemson concern. could beat the Jets. Uh, I don't think so. I, I know, 100% not. Like, you know, but whatever. I, I'm speaking, I, I'm speaking in hyperbole. Like, uh, but yeah, we'll watch. I'll watch it later tonight. Um, probably work out here pretty shortly, and then do some work for get ready for the week. Yeah, I'm gonna get back to to reading my stuff. All right, Eddie. Other announcements you get? No. All right, we will end it with that. Catch you guys next time. I'm gonna be working for the next two weekends, so probably won't have another podcast anytime soon, unfortunately. Yeah, we'll do the Friday thing so you can check in on us. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Later. Peace.